Jai Guru, welcome to Sit Quietly, a podcast exploring the world of meditation. I'm Joel Lambden. As a teenager, I began studying Taoist martial arts, Qigong, and their associated meditations. That led me to start studying about Buddhism, specifically Zen. I started to understand how critical it is to have a teacher if you want to study meditation seriously. It took over a decade and included formal study of Zen, acupuncture, hatha yoga, kriya yoga, sun tantra, and more martial arts and qigong, but I finally met my teacher in India in 2011. He is, for lack of better language, an enlightened person. Everything we talk about on this series is based either on the experiences and guides I discovered in the process of meeting my teacher, or on my experience of being guided by him directly. The hope is not to inspire you to change your life, but to inspire you to make peace with it as it is. The easiest and fastest way to develop any sort of meditation practice is to find an enlightened person and spend as much time with them as you can. That's the traditional view. It's also my personal experience. You'll hear people talk a lot about not needing the teacher and finding the teacher within yourself. And those things are true, but the vast majority of us really need some guidance. I only know of one documented person who has been able to reach the goal of meditation enlightenment without a guide. Most people are coming to meditation from a health standpoint anyway. They're not really looking for enlightenment per se. But since the process is the same, even if what you're looking for is health, then being around someone who's enlightened is, it shortens your road a lot. My personal experience of this is my teacher's style is very much like a couple of us who go and spend time with him. I've talked about this where it's very much like we all feel a little bit like little biscuits or muffins or something that get put in the oven. And periodically, Gurudev will come and check on us, poke us a little bit see what's going on. But for the most part, he's just there, being there, watching us do the work and keeping us from burning. Practically though, there's a couple of things about this model of being with a teacher that we can actually apply without a teacher. One of the most critical characteristics of a sage is the peace that you feel in their presence. Here again, my experience of this is it's not something that's done to you. It's when you're, when you're with this person, you feel this pervasive sense of peace, for lack of a better word. What that is, is you becoming aware of something that already exists within you. That's what I think is more useful from the whole, the guru is within, however you want to put that. that. That line of argument has to translate into a feeling or an experience 
or it's just sort of quasi-spiritual vagaries. The other thing that is useful from that model is the practice of being with an enlightened person is you just go every day and you spend some time feeling peaceful in their presence. And I think that you can see why that would apply to us who are just here trying to maybe become a little healthier and just want to start a daily practice. The model is find some way to sit every day or be quiet every day and feel peaceful. The way we do this without someone like my teacher to help us uncover this within ourselves is through imagination, through meditation practices or techniques, things that we think of as doing meditation or meditative actions, and also memory. We'll start with memory. If you remember as a kid the feeling on the last day of school when you have the whole vacation in front of you and you know that you don't have anything to do, no homework. That feeling of unpressured calm and that same sort of sense of joy in that calm, that's what we're looking for. I'm going to refer to that as no homework. If that doesn't resonate with you, then you can pick something else from your experience that has that same feeling of safety, of not being pressured. If that's hard to sort of pin down, then indicators are things like the passage of time goes unnoticed in a good way. Like you're doing something, let's say. You yeah, have some activity. A friend of mine likes to garden. And time just flows. There's only the gardening. That's a good place to start. For all of these things, if we don't have them in memory, but we can imagine the feeling of peace, we can imagine the feeling of no homework, that's good too. What's important is the feeling, not the actual activity or person or place. That's the thing that we have to remember. For those of us with a history of trauma or something similar, recognizing this feeling of no homework or recognizing a feeling of safety is actually really difficult, like impossible hard. And so what we have to do is we have to very likely practice some of the meditation techniques before we can start recognizing that feeling. The important thing to keep in mind is that if you can't call on this feeling, it's okay. It will it's, it's there, but you just might have to do one of these meditation techniques for a while before you're aware of it. Particularly breathing and especially measured breathing exercises 
are really useful. Let's say you have anxiety, and that's one of the reasons why you want to start meditating. Doing measured breathing where you're making the breath very even, that can go a long way to calming the anxiety enough so that you can start being aware of this feeling of safety that's actually underneath it. For some people, it's easier to feel this feeling of no homework or safety out in nature or after exercise. Whatever it is for you that helps, do that. What exactly is meditation then? So we have this feeling that we're talking about, but that doesn't really translate into like an activity, like what do we do? If you have that feeling and you can just remember that feeling, then that's a legitimate practice. Just spend some time remembering that, that feeling. But if we're going to talk about it sort of from a traditional standpoint, the great sage Ramana Maharishi from the 20th century said, quote, Not letting the mind go out, but retaining it in the heart is what is called inwardness. Letting the mind go out of the heart is known as externalization. Thus, when the mind stays in the heart, the I, which is the source of all thoughts, will go, and the self, which ever exists, will shine. That's from his book, Who Am I? And he refers to inwardness, externalization, the heart, I, and the self. For us, heart, I, and self are all related to our feeling of no homework. To sort of retranslate this into practical terms, meditation is keeping your whole mind, however you need to do that, on either your feeling of no homework or the practice that will get you to that feeling of no homework. That's inwardness. And when your mind goes away from that, then that is externalization. When you've forgotten your feeling of no homework, when you're not engaged solely with your practice. Any of the practices that we choose in terms of meditation techniques or in terms of things that we do for the duration of our meditation time, whichever one you choose should give for you this feeling or make it easy to remember this feeling of no homework. If you don't have that feeling of no homework, then the technique should feel easy, comfortable, and something that you enjoy doing. It shouldn't feel like you're testing yourself just yet. Another example of how this process is described is from the 19th century sage Swami Vivekananda and he likens our inner world to a lake and when our mind is really active and faced away from our feeling of no homework that's like when the lake has choppy muddy water and meditation practices calm the water and can clean it out so that you could see the bottom of the lake. And to take this further, our feeling of no homework is the bottom of the lake. 
It's always there, but we can't always see it, depending on the activity of the mind. Any of the methods of meditation are simply to achieve that goal and to help us remain in the place within us that we call no homework. For Swami Vivekananda, that's the bottom of the lake, and for Ramana, I, or the heart, or the self. I'm going to give a couple of simple examples of different meditation practices that you could try. You pick one of these and you do that for the duration of your meditation time. One of the most common places to start, I've already mentioned, the breathing exercises. There are two main types of breathing exercises, either unmeasured or measured. The unmeasured ones, we simply watch the breath coming and going. We don't have to do anything to it. We just let it come naturally and we watch it. And every time our mind wanders or we notice that our mind has wandered, we bring our attention back to the breath. Measured practices are where we divide the breath into a couple of parts and we find a way that feels good to time each one of those segments. If we divide the breath into four parts, in, hold in, out, and hold out, then the simplest example is to count evenly to four for each segment. Breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, and hold out for four. The most important thing to keep in mind is that you don't force any of these segments, but especially the held segments if you elect to do them. This should always feel easy and comfortable, so if you do decide to hold in and out, measure the other segments by how long you can comfortably hold in and hold out. If it feels really uncomfortable for you to hold in or out, then you can still measure just the inhale and the exhale. Just don't rush to the next breath. Another popular category of meditation practices is chanting. There's a couple ways we can do it. One is to simply pick a chant, say OM, because it's simple. But you could use Pretty much anything that makes you legitimately feel your feeling of no homework or makes you feel safe or makes you feel comfortable. So the first way to practice this is to just keep repeating OM for the entirety of your practice. You just say it over and over again, whatever speed feels good to you. And sometimes your mind will wander and sometimes you bring it back to the chant. A similar way is if we imbue this chant with what Ramana Maharishi calls a feeling of great devotion. It's something that he also attributes to sung chants. But in this case, we're chanting internally. And we are trying to feel very, very deeply the relationship between our feeling of no homework 
and the chant itself. And so here, the focus is more on the feeling of no homework, and sometimes the chant may or may not happen. But in either case, whether we're chanting, just chanting, or chanting with this feeling of devotion, when our mind wanders, we just bring it either back to the chant or, the, or to our feeling of no homework driving the chant, and that's the practice. Sung chants I think of as more similar to the spoken ones, except for, as I mentioned, the feeling of great devotion. So every time your mind wanders, you just go back to your f singing your heart out. For the first two categories, you can chant out loud or you can chant internally. Most traditions hold internal chanting to be more potent, but the real guiding factor here is how easy it is for you to keep yourself focused on it. If it's easier for you to keep yourself focused on it by speaking out loud, then that's definitely the better practice. The last big category that we'll talk about today are what I'm calling mental practices. And these are ones where we just notice thought in some way and deal with the thought directly. In the Zen tradition, there's a nice practice of when a thought comes up, simply let it go without judgment. Whatever weirdo thought you might have, just let it go. And you keep doing that, and eventually the thoughts come slower and slower and slower. It's the idea. Similar is the practice of inquiry, which when a thought comes up, we ask the question, who am I? The idea there is that thoughts must arise from something. And the only constant thing in our experience that a thought could arise from is actually our own awareness. Our awareness is there in deep sleep, in dreaming sleep, and in our waking state. And the only constant thing in our life is our own awareness. So the question is, who am I that is aware? But the practice is when a thought comes up, we ask the question, who am I, to reface our mind back to where it came from, our awareness. If we do this consistently every time a thought comes up, very similar to the first practice, the thoughts actually eventually come to an end and we're left with our feeling of no homework entirely. So it's sort of a gentle crossfade as the thoughts get quieter, the feeling of no homework gets louder. So whichever one of those things feels good to you or makes it easiest for you to feel safe or feel the feeling of peace, do that for the duration of your practice. 
Most important is that you practice every day, not that you practice for a certain amount of time. So if something like 20 minutes, which is a nice goal to have, if 20 minutes feels daunting to you, then start with less time and gradually build it up. A lot of people like to sit, helps them feel less distracted by the body, feels less distracted by the world. So what do you do? Like, how do you sit physically? And the way you do it is you don't worry too much about the legs. Just try and keep the spine straight. If you can do that without leaning against a wall or, or propping yourself up on something, that's better. But here again, you can work yourself up to being able to sit with a straight spine by leaning for part of your practice and then gradually weaning yourself off of the leaning. If you do sit, you can sit on the floor. You'll probably need to elevate your hips a little bit by sitting on a cushion or a rolled up yoga mat or blanket or something like that so that your feet don't fall asleep. You could also sit at the edge of a bed or on a bench or a chair. There again, just so long as your spine is straight. As long as you have your feeling of no homework in your practice, though, you could do these kinds of practices sort of anywhere you feel comfortable and you feel like you can access them. So if you have a breathing practice and you hook it up with some exercise that you do, that's really good. Do that. Like, so if you're a jogger, let's say, then you breathe in for four strides and breathe out for four strides. That's a really good way to do it. The point is to set ourselves up in such a way that we're not really concerned with what the body's doing or what other people are doing. We're really just engaging our practice directly. Last thing is the eyes. If we're doing a seated meditation or a secluded meditation practice of some sort, then closing the eyes is fine. We could also three quarters close the eyelids and look three feet in front of us. That's another Zen practice so that you don't fall asleep. You can also fix your gaze on a particular point. For people who are doing something like exercising, just don't be distracted by what you see. So whatever you need to do with your eyes so that you don't uh, run into people while you're running. If you're doing treadmill style stuff, this is obviously easier. You could just pick a point on the wall or pick a point on the horizon and just leave it there. For those of you who wanna get right to it right now and try out whatever you chose, I included a 20 minute, essentially meditation timer but there are five minute bells. So if you can't do or don't wanna do 20 minutes, you can, you can just do five minute increments. And since a lot of people like to listen to these things on their commute or while they're exercising, I actually created a musical backdrop to sort of create a buffer between the world and your practice. If you have any questions, shoot me an email at joel at the sound and the light.com or check out the website at sitquietly.space. Thanks for listening. I'm Joel Lambden. Jai Guru.
take the next couple minutes to get yourself ready and focused on your practice. When the vibraphone bell sounds, that's the signal of the beginning of the timer, and it's the same sound that will happen every five minutes in case you can't sit for 20 minutes. At the end of the practice, try not to just immediately get going if you have the time. You want to leave your practice in a collected way, where you're taking the feeling with you as best you can. So make an easy transition. Right now, take a second or two to just sort of scan the body, release any extra tension that you might have, breathe for a couple seconds before whatever practice you've chosen starts with the bell. 